0: Pop-Up Theatre presents Factual Fiction, the Sherlock Holmes series, hosted by Alexandria Tan.
1: Hello, and welcome to Pop-Up Theatre's Factual Fiction, the Sherlock Holmes series. I am Alexandria Tan, and you are listening to a very, very special little interview episode to celebrate and wrap up the Sherlock Holmes podcast plays written and directed by Scott McQuaid that we have been producing pretty much since the lockdown started. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled to be sitting here today with some amazing actors from all around the world. Uh, They are the main cast of the Sherlock Holmes podcast plays. Why don't we get right into some introductions. Paul, would you like to start first?
0: Sure. Sure. Hi, my name's Paul Zaraga
2: and I play Sherlock Holmes. So hello, my, my name's Tom Godfrey
3: and I play Dr
2: Watson.
4: Hi, my name is Savira and I
1: play Irene Adler.
3: Hello, my name is Luqman Schraib and I play Moriarty.
1: Right, that is everyone. Um, thank you all for being here today. Uh, let's kick it off into some questions. Um, what was your first introduction to Sherlock Holmes? And Paul, would you like to start first?
0: Yeah, my first introduction to Sherlock Holmes was um, The Hound of the Baskills, I think, um, when I was a young chap of about probably 13. I remember watching that with my family and uh, my father in particular. Um, well, I wouldn't say he was a massive Sherlock Holmes fan, but certainly he liked those old <laughs> black and white films. And uh, Basil Rathbone was a particular favourite. Right, right. And I can remember being quite um, frightened by, by that <laughs> film, you know, the overall kind of uh, feeling, you know, the fact that it was filmed in black and white in the 30s, um, the idea that there was this uh, bloodthirsty hound loose on the moors. Um, it just, you know, it really struck a chord. Um, and after that, I, um, in the 80s, watched Jeremy Brett, And, of course, I read the books as well. I was an avid reader. So, um, yeah, I I sort of devoured all those uh, Sherlock Holmes stories. But I think Hound of the Baskervilles was the first, and and it's been a sort of, um, you know, perennial favourite. I I, um, always go back to it and often re-watch that film, and it still has that same kind of uh, oppressive atmosphere.
1: Right. That is quite the introduction. Uh, Tom, what about you? What was your first introduction to Sherlock Holmes?
2: Uh, I was first introduced to Sherlock Holmes uh, when I was a young child. I remember my dad used to read um, stories, and one of the stories he read was um, The Hound of the Baskervilles. And uh, we actually lived quite near Dartmoor in Exeter, and uh, we visited Dartmoor a few times. And, I mean, it was a fairly desolate place. So I remember thinking, you know, if you were out here on the moor, alone, at night, and there was a big hound roaming around, uh, that would be petrifying.
1: Mm, Right. So quite a similar introduction. Um, What about you, Sevira? Well, my first introduction to Sherlock
4: Holmes was by the oh-so-dreamy Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I don't know him personally, although I'd like to. (laughs) I thought the films were extremely well put together and well thought out. So, big fan.
1: Yeah, me too, definitely. Um, Lokman, what about you?
3: So my first introduction to Sherlock Holmes was obviously when I read the books as a child. I think it started as sort of a graphic novel slash comic of The Hound Mm -hmm. of the Baskervilles. And then I finally read the the entire adventures, only to forget them all as the teen <laughs> years passed. But um, coming to the plays, of course, it was when I auditioned for Scott McQuaid's comedy production of uh, Sherlock Holmes and The Show Must Go On. So obviously for these audio plays, Scott got in touch with me directly saying that he had a part which he thought I could play and well. I was game.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it was it was great to have you as Moriarty. You kind of um went into the second question I would like to ask everyone, um, which is how did you get involved with this project, the Sherlock Holmes podcast plays? And I think um Lukman, since you started, do you wanna continue giving us a little bit more info on how, how you got involved?
3: hmm So I've worked with Scott before on some of his comedy plays and his productions in the school. We're essentially colleagues there. And um so obviously having, you know, worked with each other on theatrical right. plays, it was just a matter of, you know, him being aware of uh, my spectrum of capabilities and, uh, well, offering me the part in one of the audio plays. And how, how could I say no?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I always uh, say yes as well when it comes to Scott's projects, because I, I love working on projects with Scott and it's, it's always such a thrill. Um, Severa, so what about you? Well, Scott
4: and I collaborated on numerous projects from year seven at Chimpaka International School all the way up till graduation. Mm -hmm. Um, He is the sole reason I got into this profession in the first place, and I owe a great deal of my successes to him. Um, It still sort of feels weird calling you Scott, Mr. Scott. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, we keep in touch till today. And he told me he was working on this wonderful project over quarantine, and I asked if... um, Not I asked, he asked if I wanted to be a part of it, and I was super excited to accept.
1: (laughs) Right, you guys uh, go way back. Um, Paul, how did you become the voice of Sherlock Holmes?
0: Well, actually, um, Tom and I were working on a theatre play with Scott's sister, uh, Charlotte, Mm -hmm. and she mentioned that her brother was casting characters for this series of of Sherlock Holmes podcast plays. So she gave me a, a short monologue for a voice audition just over WhatsApp, actually, which is a, was a first for me. And then she sent it to Scott. Shortly after, Scott called me and we spoke about the character, mm-hmm. the project. And the rest, as they say, is elementary. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so, Tom, um, you and Paul have worked together before then.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's the only other person that I know 'Cause he was part of our theatre group as mm. well.
1: Right, yeah. Speech bubbles. Um this uh podcast play has really become such a global project and it's so great to see um everyone collaborate on this project from different corners of the world. Um, let's talk a little bit about the characters that each of you guys play. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what your approach was like? What was the character development like? Um given that, you know, the character will only be portrayed um, through audio?
0: I think when I first um, spoke to Scott, I asked him if um, he wanted me to do a sort of a Basil Rathbone style mm. Holmes. And he Very said, cool. no, he's, he's more um, Jeremy Brett. Um, <laughs> so basically I sort of um, binge watched lots of uh, Jeremy Brett in the 1980s series and uh, and based the accent on that and... And Scott himself, you know, he's a, a bit of a, an avid Holmes man, yeah, said he that he wanted it, you know, to be as aloof and um, otherworldly, pompous as possible. So that was my um, my brief, and I just I just worked on that. And I think, um, you know, that is the Holmes character. He's he's sort of he is from a different dimension and um, very removed from from reality, if mm-hmm. you like, sort of floating above everybody else with this very high IQ and, um, and this very sort of dismissive pompous demeanor. So, you know, yeah, as I said, watched lots of Jeremy Brett, um, and, and based, you know, really kind of, um, you know, worked on the accent really and, and, and the expression in the voice. Cause obviously it's, it's, uh, you know,
1: it's an audio play. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to work, um, a little harder to get, the you know emotion across and and even the demeanor of how you know your character would stand or walk and um i think that was a very interesting thing to take on um in these audio plays um what about you tom with watson
2: um yeah dr watson i mean i'm not sure about character development but i mean he clearly is an educated intellectual sort of upper middle class person and, and a quite a snob as well yeah. and I think the the his relationship with Sherlock Holmes is the, is what kind of drives the the plays yeah, the stories because sure. they clearly irritate the hell out of each other they can't stand each other really um and yet they kind of need each other to make sense of their own their own lives um I mean, it's interesting in this story, The Black Dahlia, because it, it becomes very apparent that um, Dr. Watson is quite interested in sort of fame and fortune, mm. uh, whereas recognition and appreciation is, is, is something quite alien to Sherlock Holmes. He just is wrapped up in his own world.
1: Yeah, it's... Um... You're right. You're definitely right. Um, The whole dynamic between Sherlock and Watson is really what drives the story, really, um, other than the mystery, you know. Um, Savira, gosh, I nearly said Sherlock, (laughs) Savira. What was your um, approach like to Irene? Um, For Irene Adler, from the
4: films uh, that I watched, I understood Irene's essence and what her part played in the telling of this or at least retelling of the story. Um, obviously, I don't speak for everyone, and everyone's process is different, mm-hmm. but at least for me, it wasn't as different as how I would prep any other character i right. portray. Right. Uh, but especially with voice acting, what I found is that you have to make sure to be extremely specific and know who you are, who your character is, back and forth, and know exactly what they intend um, in communicating, because... You don't have the luxury of telling the story with your eyes and or body language. So knowing what you're communicating plays a huge part in the development. Right,
1: yeah, that might just uh, be the most important part because uh, the viewers, uh, the listeners only have, you know, your character's voice to base the whole story off on and to know what's going on in the scene. And they have to catch on onto those little nuances in your voice and really get the message just from from listening to your character speak Um So, uh, Lukman, what about you? What was developing Moriarty like?
3: To get an understanding of how the character of Moriarty had to be portrayed only using audio was a bit of a challenge at first because I had never actually played him on Mm -hmm. stage. So I didn't know what sort of, you know, um, character I could reference. And certainly as far as um, movies and tv shows go uh, the few I could find some of them are cliche, some of them are challenging yeah. some of them we've heard I wanted to get my own interpretation of Moriarty so because of that I just you know um, put myself in his position tried to understand the rationale twisted as it was behind what he was doing and then the rest of it was to embody the frustration I guess mm-hmm. that Moriarty has of Um, being surrounded by inferior intellects and having to deal with one superior intellect that always throws off his plans, being, you know, Sherlock Holmes. So, yeah, um, and I sort of channeled that frustration into a, you know, darker place. (laughs) And, uh, of course, the stiff upper lip and the accent definitely helped. Yeah,
1: stiff upper lip, that's quite the uh, acting tip. Oh, uh I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Um, so Tom, what's different between working on a live theatre show and doing a podcast play?
2: Yeah, working on a podcast like this is kind of difficult because you mm. you can't, I mean, you, you're just saying the lines alone into an empty space, into an empty yeah. room. Um, so it's quite solitary. Um, and also, of course, you miss the camaraderie of working with other people and interacting with other people I mean I don't really apart from Paul who I knew before I don't really know anyone um, who's in the the plays Um, so it's kind of strange in that sense Uh, although it's been a fantastic distraction I mean I've enjoyed doing it Um, it's something that um, has added a, a different kind of novelty to the whole lockdown experience
1: yeah definitely I think it's definitely given us um, something to work on and and something to um, be excited for and and look forward to because we've done four episodes of this so far so it was good for it to keep coming and, and, and keep us busy during lockdown Paul what about you what was it like
0: Yeah, well, I grew up listening to radio, and um, it's a medium that I really love. Um, So I've always listened to to Radio 4 and Radio 5, the plays Mm -hmm. on there, The Archers, particularly on Radio 4, Mm. Um, you know, when we're in the car. Still, when I'm driving around Istanbul, I listen to um, the radio on the internet, so I'm listening to plays. Um, And it's it's just a kind of really relaxing medium. It's not an imposing medium like television, so you can do other stuff whilst you're listening. So that excited me. And then also um, the the chance it gave me to kind of immerse myself in the whole Sherlock Holmes canon, if you like, so re-watching the films, re-reading the books, Mm -hmm. um, and then trying to come up with my own version of this very sort of alien, pompous and and aloof character. I think the other thing that's quite exciting about doing this project is that you never know... What it's going to be like, you know, yeah. what's the, what's the final play going to be like? Because um, you're working in isolation. I knew that Tom was Doctor Watson, but I didn't know who was playing the other characters.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: You know, and um, and also the the sound effects. Um, Scott does a wonderful job editing everything <laughs> together. So
1: yeah, he does.
0: When you finally get the play um, in your hands, as it were, or a chance to listen to it. It's always, wow, you know, mm-hmm. amazing, you know, because, you, you know, your bit, but you just you don't know what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's uh, it's always a, it's a great moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's the best. Uh Severa, so was this experience uh, a challenging one or was it a blast? It was actually really fun. <laughs> it's really
4: funny because you would think um, voice acting isn't physical at all because you're either in a box or a booth or yeah. if you're like me in a closet mm. and eyes aren't on you so you don't have to be physical when really it's the opposite yeah sometimes if not most of the time i actually find myself physicalizing even more even more than theater <laughs> to get more color in my voice so it was a lot of fun
1: right yeah i actually relate to that a lot i think Um, When I played um, the Babushka lady in the Umbrella Man episode, I found myself, you know, sitting back like she would. She's this Russian, you know, sexy lady. And I found myself, you know kind of sitting back like she would and trying to get her demeanor just right. And I, um, she smokes, so I had an imaginary cigarette between my fingers. And it did help. It really did. And you don't have to worry about looking stupid either because no one's going to see you. In fact, yeah. go more and you know it might come out in your voice. So we talked a little bit about how this podcast play is such a global project. Um, and you guys are obviously based in... You know, such different parts of the world, um, what were some challenges that you faced when it came to recording in isolation by yourself um, and acting without another actor present to work off of?
4: It's funny because the challenge to me wasn't recording with no actor to work off of. Okay. The challenge was recording when your place is next to a busy street and you have you have to time out when traffic decides to be right. louder than it normally is right. to disrupt your recording mm. session. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little difficult in that aspect. But as far as working off of an actor, um, I didn't find it as difficult as I thought. And the reason why is because, um, to me, imagination is an actor's best friend. Mm-hmm. I feel like in all mediums of acting, whether you're on... Um, stage, film, TV, or voice acting. It is our job to imagine parts of our world, kind of like when you're on stage and you have to pretend the fourth wall is a view of Paris and it's snowing when in reality you're in a theater in Malaysia and it's hot and (laughs) there are a bunch of people gawking at you with, you know, mom up front with her camcorder pointed at you. (laughs) do people even have camcorders anymore? (laughs) Or in film, when you're in front of a green screen in a studio with um, wires, cranes, and cameras surrounding you, but you got to somehow believe you're surrounded by trees Mm -hmm. and there's a dragon that's caught your eye flying straight at you and you're running for your life. (laughs) So voice acting is, um, to me, kind of the same thing. I just had to uh, be extremely clear about who I was talking to and imagine him.
1: Right yeah, definitely. i, I I'd say um, imagination played a big part in you know the podcast coming together and us actors being able to do our acting you know alone in isolation without anyone around. Um, Paul, what was it like not being able to you know work with another actor across from you?
0: Uh I mean, not working with other actors um, was a challenge actually um, because yeah, as i said you're working in isolation yep. and um obviously you read the play beforehand and you've got a, a, you know you're reacting to the lines before you and uh, the mm-hmm. situation that you're in but um, when you when you're working on a live play you're, you're working off another actor you know their body language facial expressions um and you're reacting accordingly um and you don't have that opportunity and also the other thing is that you don't record it all in one go. I mean, I was doing it in two, three, four sittings. Right, yep. Um, and then Scott would send through bits he wanted re-recording. And it's very hard to, to get back into the the same level or the same pitch or or the same delivery mm-hmm. sometimes, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. it's um
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, that was hard. So it, it does, um, and it, it'll definitely be quite obvious in the final cut as well. So we had to be quite careful
0: yeah it's 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 a challenge definitely a challenge
1: Mm, yeah for sure and the whole like acting is reacting thing um I think it was really hard to apply that uh, when it came to recording the podcast
2: yeah it's not easy not being able to react to somebody else's lines Mm. I mean basically what I do is I just kind of read the story and imagine everybody else speaking in in my head and then reply to what I've imagined they've said right. and how they've said it, and then hope that it turns out <laughs> all right and kind of rely on the director to let us know if it doesn't.
1: Mm, yeah, and uh, we have to put maybe even more trust in the director than usual, um, given that you know, we're in these lockdown circumstances and there's no actor present for any interaction, um, you know, talking about all the difficulties and everything we've been facing um, with the podcast play, let's talk a little bit more about the five different plays in this series. Um, which one proved to be the most difficult for you all?
3: So, Out of the five plays, I took part only in two of them. And out of those, I would say that I found the uh, Wolves in Exile more challenging. But I'm also worried that explaining why I found it challenging would Mm. spoil uh, a bit of the play for those who haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to hold uh, back and just say that I think it was mainly putting the character of Moriarty into that time in human history to play a character who is from that historic faction Mm. is or was the real challenge. Right,
1: right. That's interesting. Um, and good on you for not spoiling the episode. Um, everyone listening in right now can uh, go ahead and listen to our Sherlock Holmes podcast plays. They are available on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and YouTube for the ones who prefer a little bit of visual aid. Um, so Vera, what about you? I think you also did two episodes as Irene Adler, if I'm not mistaken, um, which was the hottest episode to do. Um, To be completely
4: honest, I think Lincoln's gun was the hardest one for me. Um, The accent was definitely waking me out because all of a sudden it's set in the West, you know, and I didn't want Irene to be completely different than who she was. But Mm -hmm. Scott did say I needed to have a little twang. (laughs) And I didn't go. I didn't know how far to go with it. You know what I mean? I didn't want to
1: be like. Hi, my name's Irene Adler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I too struggle with uh, accents because the two characters that I played, um, one was one had a Russian accent and the other one was American, but it had to be muddled and um, it kind of had to be very specific because I was playing a real, you know, a real person, um, uh, Elizabeth Short, um, aka the Black Dahlia, and. Um, yeah, I think we all, at one point, struggled with our accents. Uh, Paul, um, obviously you were in all of the episodes. Was there one that was particularly difficult?
0: Yeah, I think um, the f- the first one was the most difficult mm-hmm. for me. Um, Ripper Street. Actually, there were two. Um, Ripper Street because it was the first. Yeah. And I was just trying to come to terms with the role and, and how I wanted it to sound. You know, everyone knows Sherlock Holmes. He you knows he's, that he's this pompous, uh, aloof, mm-hmm. otherworldly character who can be quite cruel, um, particularly in his relationship with Dr. Watson. Um, you know, he's very scathing and, and sarcastic. Yeah. And so just trying to get that right um, or get it as I would like it to be. Um, and I started off, and as, as I went through the play, I had to go back and, and redo because I, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And But as I went through the plays, it, you know, it became easier. I got it to how I wanted it to be. So that first one, because it was the first, yep. and the other play that I found a little bit of a challenge was the Wolves in Exile with, with the accent, not the accents, the languages. Right. Um, or the, you know, the accents, I suppose, as well. Yep. So Spanish wasn't too bad, Um Actually, my my family, my grandfather's from Spain, so that shouldn't have been too difficult. Um, but German, German, I wasn't too good at the German, I don't think. And uh, I think Scott um, made me redo those a few times to make it sound uh, because he told me that Holmes would definitely be an, an expert uh, in mm. languages because he's an expert in everything.
3: Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: Tom much better than me. I think he's got a gift for languages, whereas I'm uh, I struggled a mm. bit. So there, yeah, those two.
1: Right. Um, The languages and accents strike again. Um, So the fifth and final Sherlock adventure is about to be released next week, The Black Dahlia. Um, Sherlock, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we can expect from this crime story?
0: Yeah, The Black Dahlia. Well, um, I knew this um, story, actually, because I I went through a period where I was reading a lot of crime fiction. (laughs) And um, this is a dark play, actually, the darkest of... Well, maybe Ripper Street was too, but The Black Dahlia. I don't know. When I read the book, the James um, Elroy book, it was I, I found it quite heavy-going and, and a dark, dark read. <laughs> and I know that Scott did a lot of research for this because yeah. um, we spoke about it. And um, I know, for example, that he was in contact with um, The Sun mm-hmm of one of the main main characters in the play um, I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to uh, to spoil the mm, story yeah. for those who don't know it but um, yeah it's, it's a great great play mm. um, but dark very dark
1: Yes, very dark indeed. Um, well, I hope that built some anticipation for you, listeners. Um, the episode Sherlock Holmes in the Black Dahlia will be coming out on the twenty eighth of November, twenty twenty, and you can listen to that on Pop Up Theatres, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor and of course YouTube. You can also follow us on Instagram um, at Pop Up Underscore Theatre, and that's where we post um, all our updates. So you can know exactly when the episode is coming out. Um, so now we have a little interesting segment, if you will. Um, we have some listeners on the line right now with some questions for you guys. Um, the first listener calling in is Teresa from the UK. Um, there we go. Um, hello, Teresa.
3: Oh, hi, Alex. Um, I have a question for Tom. Watson features a character in the story, but he also narrates it. I just wanted to ask you, did you find it difficult to bounce in and out of the scenes from being the storyteller to the actual actor?
2: Um, Well, no, I don't... Actually, I think, if anything, it was um, an advantage because Watson spends a lot of time being kind of amazed and confused, dumbfounded in the dialogue. Um, And then... The narration, of course is is the opposite so that, this is his story he's he's written it, so he's an authority, so that you can change the tone and become um, much more sort of confident and authoritative
1: mm-hmm. right, yeah, um thank you for that question, Teresa. Our next um caller in is Elmi from Malaysia. Elmi, why don't you go ahead?
3: Yeah. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. So I'm calling in to ask Mr. Lokman a question. So how does it feel to be acting in such a different environment as to what you've done on stage with theatre, being able to act with people from different parts of the world? I mean, it's different, but it's also very much fun. Um, and it works very well for somebody who, at the time of recording these, had a really tight schedule. Um so I want to thank Scott for considering me for a part that is small and only requiring me to appear in two plays. Obviously, I have to give credit to the other actors for putting in a lot of the heavy lifting. But uh, suffice it to say that it's been a real honour.
1: Yeah, um, I think we all are. Um, thank you for calling in, Elmi. The next listener on the line is Ed from Australia. Hello.
0: Good G'day, Alex. This is a question for Paul. Old London and Sherlock go hand in hand. So when you played the character in different eras, did he change at all? Yeah, definitely. As you say, Ed, um, I think, you know, Sherlock Holmes and um, Old London do, you know, walk hand in hand. But I think, What's interesting about these plays is Sherlock Holmes finding himself in these disparate situations, you know, out of his comfort zone. I think he's ostensibly the same character. He's this very aloof, distant, um, intelligent, cruel character who, you know, intolerant, um, who doesn't seem to like his fellow man. But um, what's interesting for me, and I think that's what um, Scott intended, was to... um, It was how people reacted to him. Um, So you find him verbally jousting with people like Howard Hughes, with the L.A. um, police force, with, you know, 1960s policemen um, trying to solve the John F.K. murder. So that's what's interesting. He's a sort of man out of time and out of place, and it's him reacting and being reacted to. Um, So, yeah, I I didn't change um, the character in any way. I I delivered as a sort of traditional um, Sherlock Holmes performance, you know, the Sherlock that we know and love, hopefully.
1: (laughs) Well, yes, Um, that was a great question. Thank you for that, Ed. Um, Our next caller in is a Charmaine from Malaysia. Um, Charmaine, go ahead.
4: Hey, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. My question is for Severa. Because you played the role of Irene Adler in both Sherlock audio plays, Lincoln's Gun and Ripper Street, what was the key factor, element, or characteristic you focused on to distinguish between the two Adlers during your development process? Hello, Charmaine. (laughs) Thank you for your question. Um, From what I understood from it, if I'm getting this right, the key factor or um, characteristics that were similar between the two Adlers in my approach was, I guess, just playing around with the sensuality and confidence she has to be able to manipulate her way into getting what she wants, especially during the time period she was in. You know, it was an extremely horrifying and immensely difficult time for women. They had no rights, so she uses her confidence for survival. And by what she's proven time and time again she's able to use her schemes to gain power over the people she deems fit to help maneuver her way in a man's world. I loved playing with that aspect of power. So it's just it's just playing around with that. You know, I hope that answers your question.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Thank you, Charmaine. We hope you're doing well, too. Um, Our last question is from Howard Ostrom, the author of the Sherlock Holmes on screen series. Um, Howard, why don't you go ahead?
3: a few questions for each of the performers Paul is Sherlock Tom is Watson, Severa is Irene and Lugman is Moriarty First, if you were the quality of your character what would it be? And secondly, if you were a fault of your character, what would it be?
0: Wow, well, thanks for that Howard, that's a, a difficult one, um, let me think So quality um possibly that i'm you know i'm a perfectionist a bit like sherlock in um and if if a job's worth doing properly you know i have to do it properly um and if i if i feel that i've you know not met expectations then i'm kind of racked with um self criticism self doubt but um if it was a fault um i suppose i'm a bit antisocial maybe not anti maybe selectively social um in that I I do like the company of uh, other people but I do like my own space and and being on my own and um in The Umbrella Man um you know Sherlock Holmes uh testifies to that he says you know he doesn't like people it it sounds like his worst nightmare he doesn't want to go to the ball but actually ends up going but you know he expresses that he he's uh you know sort of a man estranged um so I hope that answers the question thanks Howard.
1: Mm-hmm. um Tom, would you like to go next?
2: If I were a quality of dr watson um, the first thing that comes to my mind is his loyalty uh, obviously his his loyalty to Sherlock Holmes is str- strong almost to a, a devotion um, but he does value friends and friendship um, and you can see that with um Mrs. Hudson and, to a certain extent, Lestrade. Um, so I think he's loyal. Um, in terms of faults, what comes to mind with Watson is he's judgmental. He kind of leaps to judgments. Um, so he, he does that have an element of kind of snobbery about him.
1: Right. Um, Severa, on to you.
4: Um, thank you, Mr. Wallstrom. I hope I pronounce your name correctly, but this is, this is a fun question. Um, if I were a quality of my character, mm, I'd say ambitious. Yep. I'd say ambitious because I, if I know what I want, I will get it no matter how hard it may be. No one can stop me. I will get what I want. If I were a fault of my character, mm, you know what? You know what? I'd say The manipulation factor. A while ago, I've had my fair share. That's all I'm going to say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hope that answers your question. Yep. All right. Um, And that leaves Lukman. Go ahead.
3: Ooh, uh, character traits. Let's see. I think with Professor Moriarty, what I love about him is his unwavering tenacity. The man has this... uh, ability to commit to some rather ridiculous goals and follow through. That is not something I'm capable of doing but I aspire to do, I mean. As far as faults go, I think I'm a bit of a control freak, kind of like James Moriarty. Good thing I'm a school teacher. Oh wait, no, bad thing I'm a school teacher. No, I'm not so sure anymore. I think, yeah, to an extent, I like having control of a situation. Or, for example, I don't like it when my plans get foiled because I'm one of those plan people. But, yeah, I mean, there are some things you can't predict, so at least uh, I think I'm grateful that I'm not as bad as Moriarty. I think any character traits that Moriarty has, uh, whether positive or negative, would be extreme versions of what I have. So I, I think it's safe to say that while I, I understand where he's coming from, oh, I know exactly when to stop. So, yes, that's it. Thank you very much for that question, by the way.
1: Yep. Um, thank you so much, Howard. If anybody is interested in seeing all the people that have ever played Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson on stage, screen, or audio, then you can purchase Howard's book, Sherlock Holmes, on screen at his website, Sherlockians.com. I believe that Paul and Tom um, are also documented in Howard's book. Am I right, guys?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of this interview episode. Thank you all so, so much for being here um, and taking time out of your day uh, or night, <laughs> whatever time you may be over there, um, to do this.
0: Thanks for having Thanks.
1: me. Thanks. No, thank you for having me. And don't forget, everybody, the fifth and final Sherlock Holmes podcast play will be out on the 28th of November 2020, and that will be available on all streaming platforms. To stay updated, you can follow us on Instagram at up underscore theater. And of course, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you found this little interview episode interesting, and we will see you real soon.